All right, so today's daf is daf Zion in Mesechta Yavamas, and we are up to Umay Oyeinoy Dika Omar. Umay Oyeinoy Dika Omar. This is four lines from the top of Zion Amaralev, the second to last word on the line. Let us remind ourselves what's going on over here. So, the Mishnah had told us that for there's 15 Arayas, that if they fall to the Yavam, he does not do Yibam on them or their Tzara or the Tzara's Tzara. Now, the Torah says you got to do Yibam on your brother that if, when your brother dies childless. That's a mitzvah say. That's a positive command. Arayas is a negative command. A lot of the Arayas have kares. So the question is, maybe the positive command should override the negative command with kares. Why would I think that the mitzvah say is so strong? Because, and here's the whole catch, since the Torah found it necessary to write the word Allah to teach me that you don't, it must be that if you just look at the rule of Asay, Daicha Laisasay, you actually would do Yibum on any of these Arias. And the only reason why I'm not, again, is because it's Xeris HaKosav. So the Gemara says, if that's true, prove it. Prove to me that an Asay could be Docha, a strong Losasay. A robust Losasay that's got curries with it. Prove it. We haven't proven it yet. We're going to spend the next few lines trying to prove it till we walk away. We're not going to be able to prove that Nasei is Dachi Alosa Seishiyesh Bokaris. We're not going to be able to prove that, but for the time being, this is, uh, you know, this is the Mahalach that the Gemara is taking. Now, the last step of the Gemara showed us that uh, we have a Kavachimer. What was the Kavachimer? So the Torah says, Mechalel most Yumas. If you're Mechal Shabbos, you're Misa. That was talking about, um, uh, uh, that was talking about a, a regular scenario. Why does it say, on Shabbos? Talking about everything else besides for Misa's Bezdin. But Misa's Bezdin, to carry out an execution on somebody who's high of Misa on Shabbos, we know that you could do that. We know Bezdin does do that from a Kavachomer. What's the Kavachomer that a Bezdin should kill somebody? Well, the Kavachomer was as follows. This is where we ended off. If you have a coin doing the avoda on the mizbeach, and he's chayiv misa, you take him off the mizbeach and you kill him. Okay, so that means that executing a murderer overrides the avoda. Now, the avoda overrides Shabbos because we bring various carbonos on Shabbos. So. If executing somebody pushes off the avoda, and the avoda overrides Shabbos, that executing somebody should override Shabbos. That's what we ended off with. Okay, now, what we're thinking is that the mitzvah saseh of killing the guy should override the lo saseh of Shabbos. Why? Not because I say docha lo say, but because of a kavachomer. Okay, now, this logic, now we're going to pick up on our fourth line. This logic does not necessarily hold weight. Says the Gemara to wrap up this idea, the Tana brought an opposite opinion. Why did you bring a thought otherwise? Because of the following reason. 
maybe you can upslug the Kavachomer, you can uproot the Kavachomer by saying the burial of a base mitzvah will prove that the Kavachomer is incorrect. As we know that if you have a body, a Jewish body that needs to be buried, a Kohen stops doing the Avodah, but if you have a base mitzvah that needs to be buried and you're walking to Shul on Shabbos, are you allowed to bury the guy on Shabbos? No. You wait till after Shabbos. You see very clearly that even though in some ways the Avoda does override Shabbos, in other ways it does not. So the Gemara says, but the Tana didn't agree with that counter logic. But then Tana said, no, Kvuras made Smitzvah Titcha Shabbos, that really. Bearing a base mitzvah, taka would override Shabbos. Mikav chaymeru mo avayda, just like the avayda on the mizbeach. Shidaycha Shabbos that overrides Shabbos. The kvuras meitz daycha Shabbos, so the kvuras meitz also should override Shabbos. Mi v'laachaisai from laachaisai. We know that a kain gadol, even though he's not metame to his seven relatives, a virgin sister, he is Shabbos nitchem of neavayda. So a sister that's unmarried. So Shabbos, which is nitche, which gets pushed aside by the avayda. As we know, you per, you bring uh, sacrifices on Shabbos. Maybe it, it is daicha, and therefore it cannot be an upshlag. It cannot be an upshlag by saying, "Oh, you don't bury mitzvah." It says the Tana, oh, "Taka, maybe you do." So therefore, Talmud Leimar to end off this idea, Talmud Leimar leisavaru. That's why the Torah says leisavaru. You don't like a fi- you don't light a fire in any of your uh, in any of your dwelling places. Bottom line is, bottom line is, do you know why? The killing in Bezdin overrides Shabbos because of a Kavachimer. It has nothing to do with Asei Doichalai And therefore, we're back to square one. Anybody who's been confused till now, we're back to square one. And back to square one is, I'm going to go through this step by step now. It's going to be about four or five steps. Here we go. Yibum tells me that my sister-in-law, who I was previously forbidden to, I now have a mitzvah to marry her. That's Yibam. All the other Arias also should fall away for Yibam, except they don't because of the word Aleha that we find by your wife's sister. Okay. If not for that word, you would do Yibam on your mother-in-law, your daughter, so on and so forth. You would do Yibam. Do I know that in Asay is Doche Alos Asay Shish Bokaris? Again, we just said you would do Yibam. If not for that positive, you would do Yibam. Why? The assumption is, the reason is because a positive commandment of Yibam should override a negative commandment, even if it's such a strong negative commandment that there's curries. What we're trying to do now is say, prove it. Prove that Nasei is Dochelos Eshish Bukharis. So we're going to stick on this for just another couple steps, and then we're going to totally shift gears. Here we go. Says the Gemara. And this that we thought originally, that Nasei is Dochelos say. Killing the guy on Shabbos is the say of Shabbos. What does the Tana mean? Or maybe this is not the halacha. Why would the why would we think the halacha is not like that? This is what our Tana means. How would I end up fulfilling the pasuk of a person who's mechal Shabbos is chay of misa? 
I'll say it's referring to all other malachas, except for Misas Bezdin. Misas Bezdin would have its own category, and there's no Misa on Shabbos. I'm sorry, and by Misas Bezdin it would be Daicha Shabbos. I can't be Daicha Shabbos by killing, but Misas Bezdin is. Why? Because the assay of killing the guy is going to push aside the negative commandment of Natilas Neshama of Shabbos. And Hadar Amar, but then the Tana went back and he said, Maybe we only say a positive commandment pushes aside a, a negative commandment. That's by Losa Say Greda, by a standard negative commandment. For example, Tzitzis on Shatnas. There's nothing major going on. If you wear shatnas, you misa? No, you're not chayav misa. Tzitzis, say is dochi, a regular loisasei. Loisasei sheish by kares. But when you have a strong loisasei with kares, for example, marrying your mother-in-law, mi shamisle the is there any logic to say it would be permitted? Do you see anywhere, do you have any source that a positive commandment overrides such a strong negative commandment? Hadaramar, then the Tana went back and he said, you know something? Actually, maybe yeah. You know why? You know, when do we say that a positive commandment pushes aside a negative commandment? That's by a lav loisase chomer minei. Do you say that the loisase is any better than the assay? The reason why an assay is doicha loisase is because... Why should the Laisei be any stronger? Still, even though the, the positive commandment is not necessarily any better than the negative commandment, you get more schar for it, you get more reward, not necessarily. Still we find it pushed it aside. So what's the difference if it's a strong Laisei, a weak Laisei? Either way, we're saying that a positive commandment overrides Laisei. That's maybe what I would have said. Talmud Laimar Leisavaru. The Torah says Leisavaru. No taka is different categories of negative commandments. For example, lighting a flame is a lower level transgression. A, a standard malacha of Shab is going to be a chiyav misa. A higher level transgression. Bottom line is, we don't have a source from anything we've done on the past couple of blot trying to find why. Yibum on a mother-in-law or daughter, just as examples, would have been done, even though the Torah tells me not to. Again, our mission says you don't do Yibum. Why not? Because of a Pasuk. If not for that Pasuk, I would have. We're trying to find out why would have I. Why? Why would I have assumed to actually do Yibum on a mother-in-law, daughter, so on and so forth? We don't know. We don't know why we would have thought that Yibum overrides anything. Period. Two dots. Should, there's no two dots on the, uh, on the page, but you could basically put a two dots here. We're still concerned right now. Go ahead, Isaac. You have a question. Go ahead. Can we learn that on Matzah Shabbos? Uh, why? What do you mean? That there was the Machlechus, the Rabbanan, I think, and someone else. As to why, as to why what? Uh, as, as to why we would assume that the Yeah, but each svara we say that was for a standard. What about a shish by kares? These are intense lysases, right? To marry, to go marry your mother-in-law is an intense lysase. We we can't prove why I would have thought that. 
you're right that we, we proved why an assay is docha a regular los assay. That was the whole conversation that, yes, nachon, that we had from tzitzis and chatna and so on and so forth. But we can't prove arayas that I would have thought it's allowed. So we're still looking for that source of, again, why would I have thought that it's allowed, which forced me to find the pasuk to tell me otherwise. We're looking for the havaminas. That's what we're looking at. Okay. So we're going to completely shift gears now and move on to a whole new type of conversation that's going to take us through Amud base. And here we go. Let's talk. Let's talk and learn. Okay. The past couple days, we familiarized ourselves with the rules of an assay pushing aside a los assay. Here's a new way to darshan Tyra. First, I'll give a practical example for our shear, and then we'll give the example in the Gemara, and then we'll learn it inside. If I say, everybody here with us is obligated to check their talus to make sure all their strings are not torn. And Robert has to check his his tzitzis to make sure it's not torn. That's my statement. You can ask a basic question. You just said everybody must check their tzitzis to make sure, to check their talus to make sure the strings aren't torn. Well, isn't Robert part of everybody? You betcha. He's part of everybody. So why did I say him also? So the way they, <laughs> good. So the way it works is that whenever the Torah gives a general category and then mentions something specific, what we do is we look at what was specified and we say, hmm, that specification must be qualifying our general statement. I now need to look at Robert and say, what is unique about Robert that really I can expand to everybody else? I generalized, then I specified, we're going to look at the specification and say, what's unique about that specification? And then say, oh, if that's what's unique about it, so then it applies to everything else, but otherwise it doesn't. For example, sticking with our case, we might all turn to Robert and say, Robert, why would, you know, why would Tendler mention your name? And Robert's going to say, oh, because yesterday I called him up. I called the rabbi up and I mentioned to him that my tzitzis got caught in my seatbelt. And I wasn't sure whether it was torn too much. But oh, all of a sudden, okay, so now oh, we have a unique situation with Robert. Oh, so when, so when we said that everybody's got to check their strings on their talis, on their tzitzis, it means somebody like Robert who got his strings stuck in his seatbelt and they want to know whether too much of it was cut off. Okay? So that's how it works. But this is the rule that this is, the, the rule we use for this is klal uprat. Generalization followed by a specification. That specification is coming to tell me something about my previous generalization. Now let's take this into the Gemara. The Gemara is going to give us a fascinating case where the Gemara is going to quote a Pasuk which says, any person who eats from a sacrifice 
in a state of impurity is obligated in curries. And if you eat from a shlomim sacrifice in a state of impurity, you're high of curries. That is a generalization and a specification. Because the Pusuk is going to start out by saying, anybody who eats from any sacrifice when they're tamay, when they're impure, is chayv garis. And then you say, anybody who eats from a shlamim sacrifice is chayv garis. Shlamim is included in any sacrifice. So why are you now specifying that? It's also called a sacrifice. Why do you need to specify that to me afterwards? It must be there's something unique about a carbon shlamim that's revealing to me what I should notice in all the other sacrifices. Is that articulated okay? Yeah? Okay. That's what we call a klal uprat. Generali- generalization, specification, and that's how it's meant to be darshaned. With that introduction, the Gemara is now going to try to use a whole new approach to show me why I would have thought that in a case of Yibum, if any Arias falls to, falls to the brother, he actually should marry her, if not for the verse. We thought before it was Asay Dochalose, we're walking away from that, there's nothing to do with it. So we're now going to take a whole new approach to try to prove why it would have been that a, somebody should marry his mother in law or daughter in a state of Hebrew. So here we go. Says the Gemara. Ella, rather, itchrich. I'll tell you why we need the word Allah to teach me there's no Yibum. So I would have thought to say, the brother's wife um, should be Davar Shahaya Bechlau, should be considered something in a general category of Arias. The Yatsam in Lelamed. And now I'm, I'm specifying it in particular. Why would I specify the case? Of of um, of Eishasach uh, of a brother's wife, okay. So it's not coming to teach me something about itself. It's coming to teach me something about the general category. Again, when I look at Robert Sitzis, it doesn't tell me go look at Robert Sitzis. It's telling me take that scenario and now go and apply it to everything else that's included in the generalization. Okay. Now, how does this work? Says the Gemara classic case, the Tanya. Let me share with you a brisa about sacrifices. Davar Something that was already included in a general expression. min haklal. And then we removed it, we specified it, and we said, no, maybe it's all different. Ketzad. For example, says the Gemara. What's the case? Vahanefesh, the Torah tells us, any soul, asher tochal basar, that eats meat, mizevach hashlamim, from a shlamim sacrifice, vitum also a love, while he is impure, is chai of kares. Says the Gemara, why do you got to tell me if you eat from a shlamim offering when you're impure, it's kares? Guess what? The Torah already told me any carbon that you eat from is chai of kares. Vahalai shlamim bechlal kachim hayu. Shlamim is included in any category of kachim, which I already know from a different pasuk, your chai of kares if you eat for it. So why am I specifying the shlamim? I already know you can't eat it in a state of impurity. Says the Gemara, I'll tell you why. To compare the shlamim to all the other cases of kachim, of holiness. 
and to say to you, Ma shlamim yuchadim, look at the shlamim, which is unique. What's unique about the shlamim? What's unique about its scenario? I'll tell you. Kodshim is beach. A shlamim has to be brought on a mizbeach. So, af kol kodshim is beach. So too, anything that's holy and is meant to be brought on the mizbeach, then you're chai of kares for eating it in a state of impurity. However, yatsu kodshim betik This is excluding something that just belongs to the property of the Beis HaMikdash. If the Beis HaMikdash owns an animal that has a blemish, let's say, it's, owned, it's a holy animal, it's owned by the Beis HaMikdash, but it's not fit for the Mizbeach. So if I eat it in a state of impurity, am I going to be obligated in kares? No. So listen here. Let, let's take the case of the Gemara. The Torah tells me if I eat kudshim in a state of impurity, kares. If you eat shlamim in a state of impurity, kares. I, why are you saying shlamim? Oh, I'll tell you why. Because shlamim must be telling me something about the whole general category. So I'm looking at the shlamim. What's unique about the shlamim? It's brought on the Mizbeach. Oh, okay. So now that I see that, that, that's revealing to me that my original verse, that your Chayav Kares for eating holiness, is only when it has to do with the Mizbeach. But if I eat something that's holy, and it wasn't brought on the Mizbeach, it wasn't meant to be brought on the Mizbeach, so I may have transgressed because I was impure, but I'm not obligated in Kares. Okay. Now, now that we learned this rule, about sacrifices, we're going to take this and try to connect it back to our Mishnah Tayyibim. And here we go. Hochanami. In our Mishnah as well. ach, The transgression of marrying your brother's wife, if he has a kid, right? Well, we don't know if he has a kid, but it says he's not going to marry your brother's wife. That's included in the general category of prohibited relationships. So why do I mention it specifically? Why am I specific with it? Oh, to compare all other Arias to my brother's wife. What's unique about the case of my brother's wife? And it's saying to you, Just like if your brother happens to be childless. His wife becomes permitted. So now I should look back at the whole general category and say, Afkol Arayas, every transgression, Nami Sharyon, it should now be a mitzvah to marry her. Meaning, if my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law, my daughter out of wedlock, and all the 15 cases fall to me, I sh- and my brother's childless, I should marry them. Why? Because of a... a um, Generalization and a specification. The specific case, the specific Arias, is telling me look back at all other Arias. Oh, so since I would have done that, that's why I need Aleha to teach me not to. But if not for the Xerias Akosav, Itaka would have done that. Which, by the way, it's worthwhile mentioning here something that we did mention in the beginning, and that is, but it's, we'll reiterate and expand on it. We might think to ourselves, seriously, you want Ruvain to marry his daughter? You want Ruvain to marry his mother Isn't that sick? Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? You know what the answer is? No. It's only a problem because God says it's a problem. Otherwise, you could marry your dog. That's what people think is normal nowadays. People just do whatever they want. 
What's, what's called a marriage? Whatever I decide. Let me marry whoever makes me happy. If my bubby makes me happy, let me marry her. If, if Arias is something which is just subjective and I'm going to decide who I have a right to marry, it's never ending. Let me marry myself. Let, why, why can't marriage be six people? And this is a true logic. It's an Emma's Dicka thing. The only reason why some relationships are allowed and some relationships are not allowed is because of the Torah. It's God's word. God says, you don't do this, you do this. Certain things are forbidden because it's incest. Why is it incest? The Torah says so. But if the Torah were to tell me, I actually have a mitzvah of yibum on my mother-in-law, okay. Now it doesn't. It doesn't, right? It says, no, Allah, don't do it. But with the rules that we're, that, uh, we're expressing over here of a klal and a prat, a generalization and a specification, why not? Maybe a taco would be. Okay. So we now have a potential answer. I'm trying to take this step by step. What's the potential answer? We all along were searching. Why would I have thought you can marry your mother-in-law? What are you talking about? We... We've moved away from and now we're saying, you know why I would have thought it? Because of the rule of Klaluprat. Okay? Generalization and specification. Gavaldik. Says the Gemara to challenge this. How can you connect the case of Kachim to our Mishnah, to the case of Yibum? By the general expression and the specific expression. They're both dealing with something that is forbidden. For example, the Torah says, anything that's holy, you can't eat in a state of impurity. Shlamim, you're not allowed to eat in a state of impurity. Okay? Both of them are forbidden. Hacha, but over here, klal, the generalization, expression, all arayas is telling me, you can't marry any of these women. Uprat, but the specific pasuk is not coming to prohibit something. Rather, you know what it's doing? It's coming to permit. Beheter, it's coming to permit my brother's wife. So the Gemara is asking, when do you have a klalu prat? And you look at the specific to tell me that it should reveal something about the generalization. That's when both of them were saying the same thing. For example, Carbonos. You can't eat any carbon when you're impure. You can't eat a shlamim when you're impure. They're both can'ts. Over here by our psukim, asked the Gemara, you can't marry Arias. You can marry your brother's wife when he dies childless. It says the Gemara, the specific thing is a can, not a can't, and therefore maybe the rule here doesn't apply. So this should not be darshan like a klal uprat. This should be like something which is a general case. And now I'm specifying something to teach me a new halacha. And what happens when you have such a circumstance? If the Torah tells me a whole general category of don't, and then a specific category of yes, you know what that tells me? You cannot reveal the on the general uh, the, the, the general uh, uh, category of the general list, 
until the Torah tells me explicitly that it is allowed. And therefore, says the Gemara, we're going to explain how this rule works now, but says the Gemara, it actually, would, Shlomim would not be a good source. Because Shlomim and the other Kachim can be darshaned as a, as a uh, klaluprat. However, over here, you cannot darshan it as a klaluprat. Again, because the general category tells me the nays, but my specific category tells me the yays. And when you have such a circumstance, like the Arias, like the Ibum, the rule is the yay cannot reveal about the nay. All of the forbidden relationships remain forbidden until specifically told otherwise. How do you know that's true? Now we're going to get into how that rule works. The Tani Vilim Something that was originally in the general category. And then we specify it. Because it's teaching me a new halacha. How does that work? You cannot look at the specific category and tell me that it reveals about the original general category. Until the Torah specifically tells me to do that. Give me an example in the Torah. All right? So beautiful. We're going to use an example. The Torah says, You should shech your sheep in a place, the same place that you shechted the chatos, and the oilah, in the holy place. So where do you shecht the sheep? The same place that you shechted your chatos and your oilah. Because the asham is like a chatos, for a kohen. Interesting. So, first it says that the asham sheep is shechted in the same place as the ola and the chatas. And then we say that the asham is like a chatas for the kohen. We don't mention the ola. It didn't have to say again the asham is like the chatas. You just told me. It's like the ola and the chatas. So why'd you say it? Because the the asham, the the sin offering, it's different than the chata sin offering. It's the asham sin offering of the mitzayra, is coming to teach us a dover hachadosh, a new halacha, which is yad regal When the mitzora went through a purification process, there was a very very interesting part of the purification process that was unique to mitzora. And that is that we would apply the blood on the right thumb and the right toe of the Mitzayr. Okay, so that was the Asham. The blood of the Asham went on the right toe and the right thumb. Yachol, so I might think, Lo yehiton matan damim, that we sh- you, you shouldn't uh, bring the, the placing of the blood, the imurim legabe mizbeach. Or the emurim legabe the mizbeach. In other words, I might think that in general, the asham of a mitzora is completely different because it's got the blood and the uh, you know put on his big toe and and on his uh, finger on his thumb, and therefore I would think it's completely different than anything else. It's like a whole new, unique type of avoda. That's what I would have thought. Top of Amud Beis, Talmud Lomar. Therefore, the Torah tells me no. 
The Asham should still be similar to a Chatas. In what way? You just told me that the Asham of a Mitzorah is very different. You got the blood on the toe and the thumb. You don't find that anywhere else. So in what way is it similar that you're telling me the Chatas is like the Asham? Just like by a chatos, you need to sprinkle the blood on the mizbeach and you bring the parts of the limbs on the mizbeach. Af asham, so to by the asham, even though it's unique with the plate with the blood on the thumb and the toe, but it still has a similarity to the chatos, which is toton matan damim. We we uh, we sprinkle the blood the same way the emurim. And the limbs, the gabei hamizbeach, on top of the mizbeach. So, you, why did we quote this whole context? Because we're giving an example. The only reason I bring this down is because we're giving an example that when you when something is coming to teach me a davar hachadash, a new idea like the mitzora, you cannot go ahead and use your general approach of klalu prat. You can't use that. And therefore, we're back to square one. Since I cannot use Kalalu Prat, when, it's, when I have a Dovar HaChadosh, when I have something new, so Yibum, I have something new as we're about to, uh, about to explain. And therefore, the brother's wife, which is the new Halacha, cannot reveal that all other Arias would have been allowed. Now, we're just going to read this inside and explain it. Says the Gemara, If the Torah would not have told me that the Asham of the Metzairah is like a Chatos, I mean, I would have thought to say, Whatever was unique to the Asham of the Metzairah, that will be unique. Everything else will be the same. Anything that's not unique and not, not specified is not going to be different. So so too over here by Yibam. I would have thought to say, when the Torah tells me, amongst all the forbidden relationships, your brother's wife is permitted if, the, if he dies childless. Guess what? Well, only the brother's wife will be allowed, and therefore that's permitted. Everything else will not be permitted. Hence, we don't know why we would have thought that all other Arias would be pro- permitted to the Yibam. Again, we're trying to look for a source. Why would all Arias be permitted to the Yibam? That I, to the Yavam? That I need to say Aleha. It's not because of say Dachilaisa say, and it's not because of the way the Pusik's written by brother's wife, because that is a Dabra Chadash and it doesn't darshan uh, in a way that is helpful to us. Says the Gemara, Ella rather. I would have thought to say the reason why I'm specifying a brother's wife is allowed. Tasi, learn it out. From a brother's wife. Mamatsinu is a whole different approach to how to dash something in the Torah. And that is you look at a, one, a category in one place and you say, just like I find it there, it applies elsewhere. Just like your brother's wife uh, is, you, you use Yibam, so too. Uh, my sister-in-law through my wife, my wife's sister, uh, I should be allowed to take her in Yibam, if not for a Pasuk. Says the Gemara, me dummy, why? How would you, in order to make a Mamatsinu, you Mamish need that it's similar, right? You, you need that it's literally like tit for tat, quite the same. Says the Gemara, your brother's wife is not the same as your wife's sister. Even though in American language, in English language, we call it both sister-in-laws, 
is completely different relationships. How so? Hosam Chadi Sura. By my brother's wife, there's one transgression that needs to go away. Hacha, but by my wife's sister, I have Trey Isuri. I have two transgressions that need to go away. Okay? Because the, I have the wife's sister and the brother's wife. She's also to me either way. So maybe only one Arias falls away, but once two Arias need to fall away, it, uh, that won't work. And therefore your whole Mamatzinu falls apart. Says Gemara, no. Mamatim, I would have thought to say, history, that, you know, granted they're a little bit different, but once the, the whole category of Arias goes away, it's away. It's not a matter of how many names to, you know, how many ways you're related. Sometimes uh, I have this in my own family. I have people in my own family that... Um, my my first cousin, without getting anybody more confused, about, my first cousin married, my Tendler first cousin married my wife's nephew. Okay, whatever. We both have large families. We had nothing to do with the Shidduch. But my first cousin on the Tendler side married my wife's side nephew. Okay. So how am I related now to this couple? They're both my first cousin and my niece and nephew. Okay, there's two ways to go about it. Now, none do it arise. I'm just giving an example where you can have a relation. It all falls under a general category of arias, but they're related to you in two ways. That's it. So we thought that you need, you know, in order to make a mamatzinu, you, you, if there's a difference whether one name falls off or two names fall off. No, you just need that arias falls off. If once arias doesn't apply when your brother dies childless, make it be allowed. Says the Gemara, How do we know to say such a logic that once one name falls off, both Arias fall off? The time we learned in Abraisa, It's the eighth day of his purification. So he's supposed to bring a sacrifice and it falls on Erev Pesach. Now on Erev Pesach, you can only bring a Pesach sacrifice if you are pure. So it's his eighth day and he wants to bring a carbon Pesach. And what happens is, he, has a, he, has, he sees Kerry, he has a, a, a seminal emission, which is going to make it that he's not allowed to go up to the Harabayas. So what did he do? Vitaval. So he went to the mikvah. Amru Chachamim. The Chachamim say, Even though a regular person who's a Tvul Yaim is not allowed um, even no other Tvul Yayim is allowed to come to the Harabayas this guy who's on his 8th day he, all he needs to do is bring a sacrifice following of Metzaira and now he sees Kerry and he went to the mikvah he just needs to wait till, till nightfall huh? he's allowed to bring his carbon you know why? fascinating logic better to perform an assay that has kares. Now, if you don't bring the carbon Pesach, which is a positive commandment, you're chayav kares. On the other hand, the Torah says, don't go on to the Harabayas in a state of being a tvul Okay? So, says the Gemara, we prefer to have him bring the carbon Pesach to show up and not have kares that way then to be concerned about the assay, about the lice assay, uh, I'm sorry, about the assay that does not have curries. So the assay with curries overrides an assay 
without Karis. Now, Vyamaravichan explains that scenario and he says, Devar Torah, according to the Torah, Afilo say Lesbe, that really there's no transgression of a positive commandment when a Tful Yaim goes up in the Harabai. So Tful Yaim already went to the mikveh. You just need to wait for nightfall. According to Rav Yechanan, he says that if you go to the mikveh, you're already pure. It's just the Chachamim who tell you to wait till nightfall. So really, Midoraisa, if you go up, having gone to the mikveh on the Harabais, you never transgressed anything in the Torah. Shinam, as it says, Vayamid Yeshavah Bekal Yehuda. Yeshavah stood amongst Hangesha of Yehuda Lefnei HaChatzer HaChadosh in front of the Nuchatzer. What do you mean the Nuchatzer? My Chatzer HaChadosh. What is this Nuchatzer? Omar, Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan says, Shechid Shubat Dvarim, he made a new idea. He made a gzeri. He made a decree that a tzvul yaim is not allowed to enter the harabayas. So the whole transgression of going up the harabayas when you're a tzvul yaim is rabbinic in the first place. Hence, if you have a mitzvah to bring a korban pesach, you certainly should. If it's your eighth day following uh, following the mitzvah, v'amar ula and ula says matam. What is uh, what's the reason? That um, what's the reason uh, over here? We're getting uh, into a a conversation, to a discussion, which we're gonna we're, we're we're gonna keep going over here. But we'll we'll pick up to give an introduction to this as well when we have more time. But um, we're dealing with a scenario. Um, Ula's talking about if somebody goes into a prohibited place, but he does not place his entire body into the area that he's not allowed to go. Okay. So do we say that if I put my arm into an area of the Harabayas that I shouldn't go, that I am obligated or not? So Va'amar Ula Matam, what is the reason of, of, uh, that you're, you're allowed to put, let's say, your arm into a place uh, that your whole body is not allowed to go to? Hayovahutar Litzarasai, since he's on the eighth day of Mitzayra, as far as a Mitzayra is concerned, he's allowed to put these parts of his body into... Uh, into uh, that specific area, the chutzir of the harabayas, it's also permitted to uh, as a balkari. Bottom line is, you see from here, what's Ula's statement? That if you have two issues that you need to deal with, for example, bring a Pesach, but I'm also a balkari, or putting part of my body into the chutzir where the avoda needs to be done, as opposed to my entire body, we would say, don't worry about one issue. Uh, as long as one issue is pushed aside, all issues are pushed aside. Therefore, what? We're going to end with this thought. When it comes to Yibum, I might say, listen, your brother's wife, when he dies childless, is allowed. Okay? Well, if it's my wife's sister... Now, how would she be my wife's sister? Because my, my brother and myself married sisters. My brother dies childless. So his wife is my wife's sister. It's also my brother's wife. So I would say that the same way my brother's wife, Arias, falls off with Yibam, so too the wife's sister issue falls off. And that's why I would have done Yibam if not for the Pasuk, if not for the, if not for the word allowed. Period. At this stage, where we're leaving off, and Bisham tomorrow, I want to give a little introduction. It's a fascinating case, the case of Ula going on to the Harabayas. Partially, we'll, we'll uh, give a, an introduction to that scenario. 
But as far as our halachos of Yibum are concerned, we've learned today this rule of klalu prat, right? This generalization, this specification. And now what Ula is trying to create is, you know a reason why I would have thought that it's permitted to marry these other Arias? Because perhaps once one category of Arias falls away, every category of Arias should fall away, and the Yavam should go ahead and marry whoever it was that was married to his childless brother. Okay, we're on the bottom line of Zion on the bays. Um, we're going to hold it here, and Bez uh, we will pick up same time tomorrow evening, 7.30 Central. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, everybody.